Hello listeners and welcome to Week Points, the podcast that talks about what we've listened to, read and watched during the week. My name's Rich, I'm one of your hosts and with me as ever, it's Nick. Nick, how's your week been mate? Uh, yeah, it's not been bad. It's, the, it's it's been the same, hasn't it? I mean, you know, we're all we're all reeling from uh, from the uh, the new rules uh, yeah. on whether t- we can what can we, we can do. We can you know maybe get on a bus as long as there's nobody else on the bus, or if we do get on the bus and there's somebody else on the bus and we know them, we can sit with them unless there's two of them, and then we can sit with one of them, and then the person they were sitting with can go and sit with someone they might know. Uh, so it, it, it's it's a way of making friends. You know that that's clear. I think that's that's very clear. I think um, what um, what they should do, um, which would really clarify things, is if we all got sent a government issued magic eight ball, and then whenever you're in a situation, you just ask the eight ball. Perfect. perfect. And it just tells you what you should be doing. Could it be Boris's face and the little thing that comes up <laughs> pops up in one of his eyes, or maybe his his, his mouth? You know, yeah. and and Good. pretty much every side of the thing inside there just says, uh <laughs> Everything inside it just says, well, what do you think you should do? Yeah, or <laughs> as I say, as I say, dot, dot, dot. So you keep having to, keep having to shake it <laughs> until you get some kind of RSI trying to get some fucking sense out of it. Come on, come on! As I say, or, as I say. It's just, you you ask it, and then when you look at it, it's just a pair of his eyes that look either to the left or the right to see if an expert can give him the answer. <laughs> if if he's the mouthpiece of the, of the scientific think tank that is helping this country, we are all fucked. Yeah, I mean, I do have faith in the... Um, the two medical guys that he always has stood with him. I think that they're they're well, doing trying, a good job. Um, I, but I, um, in an, I know it's awful, but I thank fuck that he's caught it because I think that's given him a bit of focus <laughs> on the situation. <laughs> Going from somebody who was shaking hands with everybody and telling yeah. everybody not to be worried to oh fuck, well, I've, I've got, got it a now. Mate who's, uh, you know, he's a bit of a tinfoil hat guy, but he said he's not had it. He just wanted a couple of weeks off. He wanted. No, no. His, his point was, they look. We'll, we'll we'll cover for you and say you've got it, so we can prep you. His idea was that they were sitting with him in a room because he can't take anything in because he's stupid, and so they've just said, "You're going to have to yeah. come off, and we'll put Rishi Sunak in front of the cameras. We'll put fucking Hancock there, Pretty Patel, all of those fuckers, uh, whilst you have to sit in a room and listen to us until it goes in." And I think in the end they just went two weeks now he's fucking not yeah. going in we've, we've run out of time we might as well just say he's cured <laughs> yeah I mean they could have just put an earpiece in couldn't they and just said just repeat what we say just repeat what we say <laughs> that's yeah, what he'd he do he wouldn't would know that would he? he wouldn't know that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be coughing when they cough he'd be like Ron Burgundy <laughs> go fuck yourself yeah. San Diego <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah um, well, my week has, has been taken up with, um, I've managed to damage my foot to the point where I couldn't walk on it. Um, so I've just spent pretty much the week in bed um, taking painkillers. Right. It's been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the, it gets pretty boring after day two. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Um. But while I have been writhing around in agony on the sofa, um, I have been watching a few things. Um, today, I watched the latest edition of 
Lincoln Rhyme, Hunt for the Bone are we Collector. That, are we going to have that now? We're going to do it first. Are we going to do it first? I'm going to crack in there now because it's just a quick one because it was they couldn't even be bothered with an interesting story this week. <laughs> um, it, it was so bland that there wasn't even things to pull apart from it because it was just such right. a nothing event. Um, but it, the, it started off with, you know, they've got these um, sort of places in America where they have... Um, like fields and woods and stuff where they'll put um, dead bodies in <clears throat> to see how they decompose yes. in different conditions so that they they can then recognise, you know, how long it took for a, a body to decompose and all that kind of thing that they can use in, uh-huh. in other murder cases and things like that. So it was set at one of these forensic places where they do that and they've got them all out in these woods. And it opens with a scene of um, somebody who's a tutor there taking a group of students out into these woods where they've got all these bodies. She's got a clipboard and white coat, um, so obviously you can tell that she's the clever tutor. The rest of them are just students with a lanyard. Uh, Well, I say the students with a lanyard and some of the blue uh, protective gloves. So we're walking through this uh, forest of dead bodies and she's showing them in various stages of decomposition. Um, and one of the guys who's on this tour, he feels sick looking at uh-huh. one of the bodies. And he turns around to, like, wretch. And as he turns around, he sees um, a pair of feet sticking out of a tarpaulin, which he obviously assumed, oh, that's just an, another body in a different stage of decomposition. And then the f- one of the feet Ooh. moves on it. And he goes, shouts across to the tutor, I think one of these is still alive. And she's going well, that can't be possible. And then walk across and then they pull the tarpaulin back and there's a guy laid there and he's been speared by a piece of metal and he's just lying on the floor covered in blood. So the first thing that the tutor does is she looks really, really shocked. That's fair enough. And then she just backs (laughs) away. Of course. (laughs) She backs away in fear. Which is the, the, obviously the reaction that you want from somebody who's dealing with these kind of things yeah, on a day-to-day yeah. basis. Nothing <laughs> says professionalism like backing away. Oh, yeah. She's been hardened to these things. Yeah. You know, so it was understandable for her to look in fucking terror and back away and not go, <laughs> somebody better ring an ambulance or run to the person who was dying <laughs> and try to assist them. No, she just backed away and looked yeah. shocked. And when he, when it did the kind of reveal on her and then when they interviewed her later, she was the only person who wasn't wearing gloves. <laughs> So they're brilliant. I'm guessing. I'm, I'm starting to work out. I'm starting to work out the whole thing with Lincoln Rhyme. The kind of scale of forensics that you need. Yeah. You can either, be, if you're a policeman, you don't need anything apart from a plastic bag. That's all you need. You don't need gloves or Fantastic. white clothes or anything like that. You don't need any overalls or anything like that. Nope. You need a plastic bag. Um, if you work in forensics for Lincoln Rhyme, then you can wear your own clothes and you can do it in his dining room, but you've got to wear rubber gloves. <laughs> Boris Johnson That's... made this up, didn't he? Yeah, it is, yeah. I think she maybe did sing Happy Birthday twice before she <laughs> had a look at that cadaver. And then um, in her case, she was a new level because she was a tutor at a forensics college. So she had a clipboard and a white coat, which meant that she didn't need gloves. Oh, of course. Because the th- the thing about clipboards mm. is they're so hypoallergenic, they can cleanse you just by yes. holding them. They're basically like That's a magic item from Dungeons and Dragons. One. You what? 
I'm surprised that we haven't been issued one. So yeah, far. absolutely. Everyone carry a clipboard round. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Clipboard and a white coat. You're safe. You can go yeah. anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Sorted. Yeah. So that was Lincoln. So that was the thing that I learned from it. It was just another stage of what okay. what you do in different situations. A bit of a magic eight ball of forensics, really. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was very good though. Yeah, I enjoyed it as ever. Excellent, excellent. There is a, it's, 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 it's when when they make these shows, they must they must have. It's a bit like when um, you know bands put out. Like the second album or third album. What's the what's the one album block or the second album syndrome? It's second album, isn't it? You know, and you get two or three good songs, and then there's filler. Yeah. And the first season have gone right. We've had some cracking episodes yeah. now. What's this? Called? A bloke under a tarpaulin, and then what happens? It's just that, really. Yeah. It's just it's just that. I also hate. I I also hate those those episodes where you know again they've got no cases to do, so they'll have one where he has to go back to his hometown. Or alien somewhere. His dad's coming to town. Or that kind of shit. Ugh. One of them episodes. Yeah. Yeah, or I've got a family situation I need to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we're fucking interested. I mean, that's not that's not their selling point, is it? Yeah. Lincoln Rhymes, fucking family accountant. Just on that, then, they did do some of that. Ah. Where um, they got in... Because, um, obviously, Lincoln's confined to his bed. Because he's pretty much paralysed from the neck down, he um, they brought in his carer brought in somebody who was also confined to a wheelchair, but they could still move their arms to a certain extent. Right. Basically, because he was refusing to like leave his house was Lincoln. He didn't want to go out, even though they made him this special wheelchair that meant he could drive it around. Um, so they got this fireman in uh, who was in this wheelchair, and he was saying. Give him this, you know, usual schmaltzy shtick yeah. about what he should do to get himself out of there. And then um, near the end of the episode, oh, and he made this thing about playing chess. And he was like, well, I can't play. He was saying, oh, you, you used to go play chess in the park. And he was like, well, I can't do that now, can I? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so at the end, they both went out in their wheelchairs and went to a park. And they were like, well, well, what do we do now? And this guy said, well, you just ask for help. So you just asked this guy next to him, he said, do you mind moving the pieces for us? And he went, yeah, yeah, sure. So then he was like, you know, pawn to right. E4 or whatever. I was thinking, they could have done that anywhere. They didn't need to go to the park and get somebody. It's like computer chess has existed yeah, yeah, for, what, since like 1975. Right. <laughs> you can just, yeah, you could- can just do voice control chess. You don't need to go to a fucking park and and grab some old block to help you move the pieces. Well, they couldn't uh, make anyone feel guilty and duty-bound, could they, at their own home? They'd have to use a computer. The computer isn't going to go, oh, I can't refuse you. You are both disabled. I will help. I concede and will give you my help. You know, obviously they've got to... But I'll tell you what, that'd be no fucking good for me if they said, Rook to King Seven. I'd be going, this one... No, this one. No, this one. No, is it this one? Oh fucking! Should we just go home and get the computer out? Do you just... know any of them? Do you know you know Knight Seven and King Four and all that bollocks? Do you know it? Do you know it? 
I know, I know. I mean, I know how to play chess, but I know I only I know, know how to, to play, play chess, chess quite badly. But oh, I, I know, I know like, how to lose at chess. I'm really good at losing. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty good at it as well. Um, I watched just on the subject of that. I watched the film Magnus about. Oh, I can't remember his fucking second name. Magnus. Magnus, Magnus Pike. Magnus Pike. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Fucking hell! What was his second name? Magnuson. Um, Ah, oh, Magnus Magnuson. It might have been. Oh, f- this gonna infuriate me. Is that Magnus? What was he? What Magnus was he? Carlson? I, I don't know. So Magnus Carlson is um, uh, like a young chess prodigy. He's one of these. Oh, chess- is he a he's kid? Like, he's like a chess genius. He's not a kid anymore, but he's still a young, relatively young man. Who okay. um, he's like the new Kasparov, I guess. Oh right. Is it an? The film is like lots of home footage of him growing up and stuff like that. There's loads and loads of, you know, footage of him at home and what he was like and interviews when he was a kid because he was like a bit of a child star because because he was so good at it. And in one of the um, one of the clips that they showed, he got invited over to, I think it might have been Harvard, their chess right. their chess club, and. They arranged for it looked like about a dozen of their best chess players, all right. to um, sit in a row with their chess boards, and he sat in a chair, facing away from them with a blindfold on, and then told them the move that he was going to make on each oh, board. Oh my god! And he didn't necessarily go like right board one, now board two, now board three. He'd, he'd like just go oh like board eight. You know, whatever Bush, Bishop to whatever, F, yeah, Max and Spencer's F five. It was all like that. So he had like a dozen games, just completely in his head, and I mean, he, he beat hell. all of them quite comfortably. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, it was fucking mind blowing. Right. And it showed you one clip when he was when he was re- really young, and there's him and his dad, and they're just sat there, and they're having a game of chess with no chessboard. Right. They've both got the game that they're playing, but just in their heads. Fucking wankers. I bet they couldn't do that with Cluedo. <laughs> Son, I've rolled a seven. I'm going to the billiard room. I'm in the billiard room. I'm going to accuse Professor Plum. Oh, I'm assuming... I mean, carrying on from that, with the billiards theme, what if they had a game of snooker in the reds? <laughs> What about Kaplunk? <laughs> Go on then, Magnus fucking Carlson. Have a game of Kaplunk in your head. You just pink, let the best of life pass the by. Pink straw, level four, uh, on angle. Removing it now. <laughs> <laughs> and you think the dad, when it was his turn, would have to go, pong, pong, pong. that's three marbles to you, son. <laughs> or Buckaroo. <laughs> Of fucking Booker, I'm putting the hat on the saddlebag. <laughs> it is my turn to Buckaroo. <laughs> oh, shall shall we play Jenga? <laughs> Magnus is genius. He is playing nine games of Operation in his head. <laughs> <laughs> At once, he's playing. He's playing both Operation and Mousetrap. 
<laughs> he can beat a full-grown teacher at Ludo. <laughs> he play in spare time. He play. I don't know why I'm Russian. In spare like time. It. In spare time. He play for relaxation. He play frustration. He have <laughs> his own mental problematic. He use. <laughs> Yesterday on the bus. He and I had a game of battling tops. <laughs> I was dizzy then. And <laughs> he was tricky Trevor. Since age of four, we have played imaginary game of conquer. <laughs> he has a 254 in his head. I'm sure he bake it in vinegar. <laughs> yes, imaginary <laughs> vinegar is the worst. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Magnus fucking Carlson. Fucking him. Games. <laughs> <laughs> the magical mind of Magnus Carlson. Do you know, tomorrow, it's wonderful at Christmas. I don't have to buy him anything. I give, I give him an empty box and say, in there is some rock'em sock'em robots. We will play later. I give you real battery for imaginary game. <laughs> I bought him a big truck. I didn't buy him a big truck. I did get the big, the big D batteries. Dear Santa, these are the toys I would like to imagine this Christmas. I learned all the music and the sounds from Big Track. So when he pushes his finger towards me, I go beep, ba, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> he loves it. It was the greatest Christmas. Look, look, Papa. Big Truck is bringing you can of beer. <laughs> My favorite can. Imaginary Carlsberg. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking Magnus Gasser. Fuck off. I'd like to see him take on eight fucking students at that plastic gym of Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Go on then, blindfold yourself and put that gaff hook in that Jaws' mouth. Oh my God. Oh. Crying a bit now. So that was, so that was me. I watched Lincoln Rhymes and Magnus. What have you, what did you watch? Well, obviously. What's the first thing? What did you watch the first time this time? Well, the, 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 my week is the Eurovision, but I'll, I'll get to that in a bit. I tried watching a film this week that I hadn't seen. It came out, I think, last year, uh, back end of last year. It was an adaptation of Madeleine Longler's classic 60s children's book, A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, it, it stars oh, yeah. a couple of kids I don't, I didn't recognise. Directed by Ava DuVernay, who's a good director, and... Um, uh, it, it's uh, Reese Witherspoon was in it, and um, oh goodness me, uh, Oprah Winfrey was in it. Uh, Chris Pine, uh, uh, visually spectacular, looked amazing. But it, it, yeah, I think there was a better film somewhere on the cutting room floor. It felt like, you know, they've obviously invested a lot of money in this movie. 
and uh, yeah, yeah. utterly impenetrable. I had no idea what was going on. I'm going to try and sum it up. Anybody who's uh, listening to us, who's watched it or read the book, please help me out because it goes like this. There's a little girl. Uh, well, she's she's a, she's a young girl. She's maybe early teens. Uh, a bit of a loner at school, gets picked on, except for by this uh, wet kid. <laughs> not he's not permanently moist. I mean, <laughs> aqua yeah, boy, I mean, aqua boy. Yeah, I mean he's just um, just a bit wet, and uh, but he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't mind like hanging around with her, but she doesn't seem to want him to hang around with her because she knows it will damage his street cred. So she's quite selfless. She's also got this this brother. He's in. A, uh, his name is Charles Wallace. I can't remember what the surname is, but he's always referred to as Charles Wallace. Yeah. Anyway, and he's like a child genius. Now, at the beginning of the film, uh, it's a scene with uh, the young girl, uh, when she was a bit younger, as a flashback, saying, oh, you, 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 your brother's coming. Uh, we're, we're getting him, and he's going to be amazing. He's going to be fantastic. And I don't know why, but... I thought he was like coming from space or something, and I got the wrong idea about it because Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's. I know. I know. There's loads of people now who've read the book or seen the film going, "You fucking moron!" Went, really, two minutes in and you're lost. So anyway, Chris Pine is a scientist, and he's a scientist who says that we can travel through time by finding a certain. Uh, frequency that will make time wrinkle or something and we can pass through the shapes in the, oh, in right. the air okay. and we can travel through time. Then he goes missing. So but the right. setup is he's gone missing uh, and Charles Wallace, the little genius, and the lass, who I think is supposed to be the main character and uh, the wet friend uh, are, are sort of hang- hanging around in the garden <laughs> talking about what we're going to do and, and then suddenly Reese Witherspoon who's wearing a, a really fancy kind of like fancy dress fairy dress climbs over the fence and says hello they all seem to know and nobody says get the fuck out of my garden where's the pepper spray they all go oh, hello my, <laughs> yeah. and she says my name is Mrs <clears throat> Mrs what's it I think and, oh hello Mrs what's it and she doesn't look like a what's it I like what's it so she doesn't look like a what's it at all so I was a bit disappointed when she looks like Reese Witherspoon, who's lovely, but not a what's it. So she's standing there in a dress, not looking like a what's it. And she says, yeah, we need to go. We could go and find him. You're the person to do it. Uh, and the girl, who has basically decided she's not particularly she's not particularly out of the ordinary, she's just a regular run-of-the-mill kid, says, oh, no, Charles Wallace could do it. But then suddenly they all go, and another another woman turns up, Who's uh? She's Mrs. Who? I think she might be Mrs. Who. Not related to Doctor Who. Not a sister. Not a partner. <laughs> not a civil partnership. Right. Mrs. Who turns up, and she's no. She's um. I, I didn't recognise the actress. She looks like she's right. from Asia, uh, of Asian descent, possibly in Indian. Uh, and she quotes things all the time. She doesn't speak uh in dialogue. Uh, like we can converse, she just will say something like, "I don't know, violence is justified in the service of mankind." It's never that quote. That that's not in it. But you know, she'll just oh, suddenly right. pop out a quote, and then she'll yeah. say where it's from and what country the quote's from. Like she'll quote yeah, yeah. Shakespeare, 
and you know she'll she'll she will say you know oh, right. the food of love play on let me have excess of it yeah William Shakespeare England yeah she's a dick she's a dick and she's in a silly party dress as well and she's in the garden as well and again no parents around obviously uh, Mrs uh, the the, the uh, Chris Pine's wife is I don't know whether she's like working long hours. Or just she's conveniently not at the window, wondering who these fucking weird-looking people, one of them is not a what's-it, and the other one is quoting, are just standing in the garden talking to the kids. No, nobody's, there's none of that. So then, anyway... How old are these kids? Uh, well, Charles Wallace is a, like, uh, I'm going to say, at the most, he's eight. Uh, oh, and she looks to be about 13 or 14. Uh, and he's oh. the same, the, the wet lad's the same. Anyway, wet lad and her and Charles Wallace go start. They start travelling and they go to these fantastically rendered, beautifully CGI'd places to look for a dad. But they also meet these people and have these adventures. None of which seem to have any kind of uh, significance. They they meet Zach Galifianakis, uh, who was in um, uh, the Hangover films. And mm. uh, the campaign, I think. Anyway, he's there with a ponytail, being wry. But I can't remember who he is. He's someone important that they've got to get information from. And he'll only talk to the lass, or will he? I can't remember. But basically, then they have to go somewhere else. So Reese Witherspoon turns into a flying lettuce. I'm not fucking kidding. She says, don't look at me, I'm changing. She spins around and suddenly she's like a big fucking lettuce. Or, <laughs> or she's like some rainbow chard with a face. Uh, right. So she floats off with them on her back, but they fall off her. But it's like one of them dreams you have, and you can't quite. They're on her back. Oh, don't man. Honestly, it's fucking ridiculous. So, <laughs> if anybody can help me with this shit, because I, I have to say, at one point, I thought, shall I go ring me dad? I can't. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm getting this at all. I might not. Not to. Not for clarification. Fucking hell, that wouldn't have helped. That would not have helped. Um, oh god, I have to tell you. Just, just digressing. Speaking of that, so we've talked on the previous podcast, the the kissing the badge podcast, uh, about my dad, yeah. uh, who is quite forgetful, makes up names and stuff like that. And the other day, he said, "Oh, I'm watching. I'm watching. Uh, oh, that one. That one. That one with." Um, uh, smooth in it, oh Maggie Smith, yeah Maggie Smooth, and um, it's a it's a marigold. Oh, the the best exotic marigold hotel. That's it. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh well, they're all in it. He always says this. They're all in it. Are they are they all in it? They're all in it. Um, um, what's her name? Uh, uh, I said Judy Dench. Judy Dench. She's in it. Yes. Uh, and I said Dev Patel's in it, and he looked at me like. Uh, who I went, you know, he's the kid who runs the hotel, isn't he? Oh yes, yes, Dev Patel, and um, and and he said, and Tom's in it. What, Tom? Yeah, Tom. You know, Tom, Tom Conti. No, no, not Tom Conti. Tom, Tom Hiddleston. No, no, Tom, Tom, Tom. You know him, Tom. He was in that one with Prince Charles. I said, what? He said, Tom. He's in a film. With Prince Charles, who's 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 singing and playing the piano, <laughs> I went really, Daddy. Went yeah, and they're in a line. They're in a line. They're all in a line with Prince Charles, and he's singing. He might not be playing the piano. That might have been someone else, or maybe that was something else, or in a different scene. But Prince Charles and Tom, and uh, 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 they're they're in a, they're they're in a line. 
I went, right, okay. Uh, no idea. <laughs> and then, a bit, <laughs> moments later, he went, your mate's in it. I went, my mate? Which one of my mates? <laughs> Incidentally, I do have a vocal. I'm going to text you the vocal clip so you can you can uh, clarify this or we can play it next week or whatever. So this this all, all happened. And he went, your mate's in it. I went, which one? He went, the fat lad from York. <laughs> now, my dad has always... He's a lovely, lovely man, and he is a friend. Uh, Mark Addy, uh, who is from York, is he always goes, that a fat lad from York. Anyway, so immediately I started thinking, Mark Addy, Full Monty, they're in that queue, dancing to hot stuff, which Prince Charles then did for oh, some kind yeah, of... Yeah. yeah. So yes. my dad in his head has gone, Prince yes. Charles in the Full Monty. Bloody hell. Yeah. All those extras in that club in yeah. Sheffield yeah. must have seen Prince Charles's <laughs> cock. Blimey, O'Reilly. Robert Carlyle. I went, Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson, Robert Carlyle, and Prince Charles getting the pants yeah. off at the end. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. So I, oh my god. I, I think I, I think he said at one point, I think he is he still there, Prince Charles? I went, nope. I doubt he's still signing on in Sheffield, Dad. No, he's not still there. So, honestly, I recorded it. I'll send you the recording. My dad, everybody. <laughs> the mental leaps that you oh, have man. to go through to oh, make those man. connections. Unbelievable. Well, ta- I mean, again, we, on the previous podcast, we talked about my dad's names for people. When he, he can't come up with a name, so he just comes up with a random name, you know, like... Um, for example, I'm not going to go through it again, but uh, Stuart Prune is George Clooney. You know, and and in order to yeah. get to Stuart Prune, uh, he, he has to say, well, like you know, on that occasion, he was, oh, that thing's on tonight with Stuart Prune in. What? Stuart Prune, Stuart Prune from that thing your mum used to watch. He dips his head. He, he dips his head. Oh, Stuart Prune, he dips his head. Now, basically, in the end, I had to work out that in ER, uh, you know, George Clooney's first break, really. At the beginning of the show, in the credit sequence, George Clooney came out of an office, put in his stethoscope round his neck and dipped his head to avoid somebody coming into the office. And that's the only thing. Stuart Prune, he dips his head. Fucking hell. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> that's, I'm sure that's on his IMDb description. Stuart Prune dips his head. It is. George, George Clooney, a.k.a. Stuart Prune dips his head. Yeah, probably. Probably, or you know, one of my favourites was that fo- that French footballer Grenadine Grenadine, which has always made me laugh. <laughs> if you can work it out, do send the answers. It's a pretty easy one. I might do one a week. Yeah, <clears throat> midfield dynamo Grenadine midfield Grenadine. Dynamo, absolutely, Grenadine Grenadine. Career ended in tatters. <laughs> I had a film made about him, though, didn't he? He did, yeah. I think it was just called Grenadine, wasn't it? Grenadine, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't use it, all of his name. They didn't go for full Grenadine, Grenadine. They just went for... Don't need to. I think it was called <clears throat> Grenadine, a portrait. He's one of those um, one of those stars, a bit like Madonna, that you just need one, one name. Yeah, you do. And everybody knows who you're talking yeah, about. absolutely. Grenadine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beyonce, Madonna, Meatloaf, Sting, Grenadine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked about anything. A wrinkly time. So anyway, um, I did go and ring my dad, and I came back, and uh, you know, 
they'd found the dad and they'd got home uh, and I think the the young lass and the wet lad had had a kiss. They may not have done. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what it was supposed to be. Fee said, you know, when it finished, she went, I think there was a better film on the cutting room floor, which I've just nicked and, and basically passed off as my own idea, which I said about 20 minutes ago. Uh, but yeah, it just it didn't enter. And, and anyone who's read the book, am I right about that? Or was it really faithful? Yeah. Or was it really good? It looked beautiful, but it's for me not not worth my time. I don't want to watch it to catch up on the bits I didn't see. So. No, no, no. I wouldn't no. clamour for it's it. It's on Disney Plus. Be, um, if you do watching. want to see Rainbow turn into some rainbow chard with a face, uh, <laughs> but it is. It's like one of them dreams you have when you wake yeah. up and you go, "Fucking, what was that? Yeah. What was that about?" Yeah, I'm not going to go for that one. I wouldn't. You've not sold it to me. (laughs) Now, go on. What what have you got? Tell tell me something now. I've been badgers. So, I've been watching something continental. Ooh, look at that. I've been watching a French drama. Oh, right. Where would I find that? Uh, You'll find that on Netflix. Go on. Um, It's called Inhuman Resources in English. I think it's called Depage. In French, I think that's the original. Dépagé. Dépagé. Okay. Well, I just think up. means skid or slip. Oh right. Okay, like skid as in fall over. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. French drama, six episodes. Uh, I fucking loved it. The main star. Have you, hang on, so just, have you caned a lot? Then you've, you've watched it all. I've watched the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, can't not. I just watched it all in one one hit, one day. Amazing. Yeah, um, it stars. Yes, Monsieur Eric Cantona. Oh, amazing! Good actor. <clears throat> oh fuck, he's brilliant in it. He's a great actor, Eric Cantona. He's really, really good in it. He's really good. Um, so it's about he's um, a guy who worked in human resources for um, a company for like 20 odd years and then just got culled when they were getting rid of people and then he's been unemployed for six years and it basically as soon as he's got unemployed his life's gone to shit because he can't get the job back in there at the kind of status that he had before he's working lots of menial jobs he's having to take night jobs they treat him like shit right um he can't afford the payments on the mortgage it's all that kind of stuff and he finds out about a job in human resources for a company. And what they want to do is they want to... It's part of an aerospace industry. And they want to close down one of the... Well, No, they don't want to close down. They want to get rid of a lot of the employees of a certain plant that they've got. <clears throat> and the guy who's running it, he says, we're going to need, you know, like somebody very specific, very hardened. Right to do this job because it's not going to be a matter of just walking in there and saying we're going to get rid of all these people it's all going to kick off yeah because thousands of people will be at risk so as part of his recruitment process for getting the person who he thinks would be good at doing this he um this uh recruitment guy who he's employed says to him i think that the best way of doing it if we're going to get a very specific kind of person is we're going to do a bit of role play Okay. For the interview process. What we're going to do is we're going to role play a kidnapping situation. So we'll role play that they all get kidnapped um, and we pull them out one by one and we'll have our 
human resources person um, feed questions through to our kidnappers that we've hired uh-huh. and try and get them to break these people so that they either stay loyal to the company or divulge secrets, in which case we know they're no good. The weak. God, that's a bit strong, isn't it? <clears throat> isn't it? Just. So what this um, recruitment guy decides is he's going to get five potential candidates um, to, do, to take part in this. And then the one who wins gets the job uh, with the company. Right. And um, so Alan, who's played by Eric, yeah, yeah. he um, he gets he gets through the interview process. Right. Okay. And he becomes part of this. So I don't want to say I don't really want to give any anything else away because. It really is worth watching. Okay, okay. It's like it fucking grips you. Oh, amazing! I love it already. Right, right at the start, he's and, he, and the acting in it is absolutely amazing. It's really, really well directed. The pacing's great. Oh, amazing! Um, the visuals are good. Um, if subtitles bother you, uh, I'm afraid you're out of luck because they haven't got any. There's no overdubs. Um, there's no overdubs. Okay. Um, because of COVID. They're not. They've not done it. Yeah, of course, um, of course. Completely doesn't. I mean, I, I like subtitle things anyway, um, but it completely. You don't lose anything from watching it. I, I urge everybody to give it a try. It's it's absolutely like edge of the seat stuff. No, I'm going to give that it's a great. Go, definitely, definitely. It's really, really. I'll good. have to watch it when I'm really awake good. though, because if I get even the littlest bit tired, uh, subtitles. Yes. You know, I start to flag and then I have to put my glasses on and then I'm, you know. But uh, I do like things in the original language. And also, it's Eric Cantona. I can't have Eric Cantona with somebody else's voice. <laughs> That'd be weird. No. Well, and, and the 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 thing with that, I, I was reading up a little bit about it, was um, the, it's from a, it's, it's taken from a book and the author of the book uh, was part of the screen, he did, he co-screen wrote the um, the TV production yeah, yeah. of it, and he originally opposed the casting of Cantona really? doing it because he was saying that he he want he had too much charisma. Oh, and the guy who he he always had in his head as as being this character was somebody who was like um very much a kind of nondescript. Everyman. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but he plays it absolutely not perfect. Right. Well, I mean, I've, yeah, he's, he's a great, great actor. It? It's 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 really weird, isn't it? I mean, he, he makes Vinnie Jones look like Vinnie Jones, doesn't he? Oh fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's, I mean, yeah. you know, if you've ever seen um, Le Bonheur est dans le pré, uh, which I think I can't remember what it means. Some, something is in the field. Bonheur is health. Health is in. Oh yeah. yeah anyway, yeah, yeah. he's in that. He's fantastic in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll look at a version of it. He's he's sublime, yes. he's superb. So I'm glad yeah. he's got. A- and in in this, his his character, his character, he's not a nice, okay. he's not a particular nice bloke, and he makes lots of wrong decisions. Um, but yeah, because of him, because of the because of the way he portrays it, he you still think yeah. all the way through it. Yeah, I, yeah, get, yeah, I yeah. get, I get it. I get why you made that bad decision. That was a terrible decision, but I do yeah, yeah, sure. understand you and why you made it. 
No, it's great. Oh, fantastic. It's great, man. Definitely awesome. 100% recommend Inhuman Resources on Netflix. Well, shall I do one that I would really recommend as well? Yes. All right, then. So it's also Netflix. Uh, it is um, season two, and season one, if you've not seen season one, of uh, Dead to Me. Uh, Dead to Me is an American drama set on the west coast of America, and uh, the two central characters, Judy and Jen, uh, both have some tragedy in their lives. When we first meet um, Jen in season one, she is grieving the loss of her uh, husband, uh, and meets uh, Judy... Uh, who is grieving the loss of her partner, I believe, at a uh, you know a bereavement counselling group. Um, uh, through uh, again, there'll be people who haven't seen season one, but through a series of misadventures, they become friends, or at least they become dependent upon one another. And they're played by Christina Applegate, who is perhaps best known for that 80s TV series Married with Children but she's also uh, she plays Veronica Corningstone in the two Anchorman films uh, wonderful actress fantastic very great uh, deadpan delivery uh, but also fantastic handling emotion and Linda Cardellini who uh, again was in ER with Stuart Prune uh, Dipsy Z <laughs> um, uh, playing a nurse called Sam Taggart she was in the uh, Avengers movies playing Hawkeye's uh, wife uh, and then she was also in the Scooby-Doo movies the, uh, the, the, the not particularly lamented Scooby-Doo uh, live action oh, movies right. playing, playing Velma um, she's yeah. done. She's done a ton of stuff. You know, she was in yeah. Legally Blonde. She was anyway. It doesn't matter. She's great. The, the 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 chemistry between the two of them is absolutely palpable. And I was saying to you before we started recording, each of the episodes is around half an hour long, and into that half an hour is packed tension, humour, uh, uh, thrills, um. Pathos. Uh, it, 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 it does. It, it, it tugs at the heartstrings. There are moments that make you cry, it, and and yet towards the end, you're watching it through your fingers because it's so gripping and so so tense. I mean, maybe it's not for everyone. I think it's stunning. I watched the lot uh, this week. Yeah, watched the watched the lot. It was um, ten episodes. Uh, yeah. this series, uh, and yeah, just burnt through in about three days. Absolutely fantastic, and that's on Netflix. That is on Netflix. Yes, it's. Um, is it a Netflix original? Or? It is. It is a Netflix oh. original. I can't. Uh, again, I'd like to go into more detail. The thing about Lincoln Rhymes is it's it's pretty naff. So you saying yeah. this has happened, that's happened, isn't going to spoil yeah. it for anyone because no, it's no. already naff. So you you know yeah. you're just sort of guiding people through the naff waters. This is not naff. It's fab. So I I, I only yeah. want to say. The, the, the setup is these two women meet at a bereavement group in season one. If you've seen season one, you'll know season two is going to follow up from where that finished off. It's got a brilliant cliffhanger ending. Both series have got great cliffhanger endings. Uh, and it just ramps up and up and up. I think it's great. Ah, it's quite an unusual episode length, isn't it, for a something on Netflix that it's half yes, an hour it hit. Yes, it is. It is. It's... Uh, it, it's um, but it feels right again because they've not yeah. done, you know you get some things that are really flabby 
Uh, and I suppose maybe the the, uh, the the showrunner and the series creator, Liz Feldman, perhaps felt that, I don't know this, I've never read any interviews with her, but perhaps she felt that if you are going to do something in 30 to 35 minute episodes, you've got to cut all the fat off it. Everything yeah. has got to have a purpose. Yeah. It's got an engine, you know. Uh, and yet within that, you do still get brilliant character beats uh, and the development of the secondary characters uh, is wonderful, including uh, another unsung hero of, of, of mine, of ours, of the pods, James Marsden. Yeah. James Marsden, who is a fantastic actor, uh, you know, and, and pr- provides able support for both Linda Cardellini and Christina Applegate. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's James yeah, Marsden. Very good. Very good. Just when we talk, when you talk about the episode length and the pacing of things, yeah. on the flip side of that, I tried watching Sharp Objects on Sky Ooh, with Amy Adams. Oh, I like her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, she's she's another one of the people who always always turns into like yeah. no perfect performance, isn't yeah. she? But the pacing of that. Um, felt like it was deliberately slow. Right. It felt like it was almost deliberately pushing you to the point of, <laughs> right, you've got to move on now. Uh, but it pushed me too far. <laughs> because all the time I'm thinking, this is, I get it. I get. I understand why this this piece is this long, because you're trying to, uh, you're trying to show this this emotion in this person. And part of it is, having to watch them go through this extended period where not oh. much is happening. But it it was just interminable when you oh, like you're thinking, All right, I get it, right? Just fucking move on now. <laughs> so I'm gonna come back to it. Okay. Because the acting's great and the story's great. All right. From what I've seen. But pacing wise, oh Jesus Christ. You know, you've gotta you've gotta throw me a fucking bone here at some point. If it was an album, would you play it on 45 or 78? Do you know what? I think that's a, it is, that is a good analogy because it felt like it felt like I was listening to an album by somebody I'd never heard before and every track was nine minutes long. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I get it, but can you just throw me a three-minute track yeah, yeah. in just so that I can go, oh, yeah, great, right, now it's something different. Yeah, give me not a pop this, banger. Not this yeah. fucking... It was like prog rock. Oh. Just fucking move on. I don't need... I don't need, like, a bass solo by the cinematographer for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, it's, it's jazz explosion. Yeah. Okay, Sharp Objects, that's on Sky. It is on Sky, yeah. Very good. It's a old dish one, I think. It's new to me, but it was. I think it is oldish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a short hit, though, I watched the latest episode of Celebrity SAS. Oh, come on, let's have it. Let's short, have it. Short, sharp, shock treatment from Celebrity SAS. Ant Middleton, <laughs> who's the head of the SAS on this bit, he's not going to take any of your fucking bullshit. <laughs> Get in the fucking parade ring now. Um, Ooh, hello. This week... Yeah. Um, Just remind me, who are we down to? We've got Tony Bellew. Tony Bellew. Rudimental. Brendan Cole, the dancer. Brendan Cole, that's right. Um, A woman who used to be on Blue Peter, whose name I can't remember. Oh, God, there's Joey Essex. 
Yeah. Um, oh, God. Who else is there? Oh, Laura Stedman, the Paralympian. Yes, that's right. Uh, there were seven of them at the start of this episode. Right. And we lost one this episode. And the one that we lost was, oh, Nikki Sanderson from The Soap. She's in it as well. Um, and the one that we lost this week was Brendan Cole. Oh, danced his way off. He, d- he did dance his way off. Um, he was very disappointed in himself. But um, he wasn't as disappointed in himself as the SAS people were disappointed in him. So when they did the interview thing where they put a hood on him and take him off into one of the outbuildings, they just told him that he was uh, f- uh, shit. Uh, he was Fucking only giving 40% and uh, he wasn't good enough. Uh, and um, they'd said, why do you think that is? And he'd said, oh, well... It- uh, I'm not making excuses, but it's because blah, blah, blah. And they went, well, you are making fucking excuses! <laughs> <laughs> and then a good point. Went, they just went, God! And then they took him out. And then they were going, um, he's, he's fucking whining shit. What's that fucking whining? <laughs> oh, my God. So he was on rocky ground. So the task that they had to do was another one of these. You've got a big log some big tins of things and a tyre and you've got to take them up a difficult piece of terrain as if it was equipment and they made different people team leaders they made him a team leader of one of the teams um, and he failed basically Um, because he was too like well what do you want to do are you all right doing that 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 won't help at the Iranian embassy would it yeah (laughs) do you want to rappel down the building first or now I've got two flashbangs. Do you want one of my flashbangs? Yeah, I don't yeah. mind. You, you, I mean, it's up to you. I might be mission leader, are, but are you? Do you want me to start the shouting? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 happy to follow you with the shouting. It's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, did I do the shouting last time? I can't remember. <laughs> well, imagine, yeah. Ooh, here we are on Gibraltar. Look at those over there. Should we? Yeah. Should we? Do you think we should? I mean, I'm yeah. easy. I, I'll I'll shoot them all. We don't have to. Or... I d- yeah, I mean, I, I, they're a bit of a blur to me, but I'll fire if you want me to. I don't, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, so it was all a bit like that to the point where they they stopped him being the leader halfway through the task, which that's a bit of a kick in the dick, isn't it? They went, <laughs> you're, you're, you've stopped being team leader now, Nikki. Right, your team leader. Um, and then they they failed it anyway, right. and so he had to hand his number over at the end. Oh, did he? Uh, and again, unlike John Fashnu, he didn't think that they meant his telephone number. He just gave them his <laughs> number off his sleeve. Bless him, he was on the ball on that. Um, but while they were doing the the tasks, yeah. Tony Bellew again lost his rag <laughs> several times. Honestly, man, if they don't put out like a an omnibus of all the clips of him losing his shit and will be absolutely gutted. I might be forced to make one myself. Oh, I've not seen any of it. I want to, I would like to see him on other shows. I want, he, um, I want to put him in, a, in a cooking show. <laughs> if he was in something like, um, what was, uh, like, was it the called the, oh, the cube, you know, where they have to go in that play, clear perspex cube and do various tasks. He'd just oh, smash yeah. the fucking cube to pieces. <laughs> and then he'd start attacking the audience. <laughs> they had to do this thing where um, they had to go into the, into the, go to the beach. And then it was like pissing down a rain. It's in Scotland. It was, it was like really dark. It was horrible. 
and then they they had to link arms and then they had to lay back in the in the sea yeah so the waves came in and they had to just stay there and they had to stay there for 25 minutes fucking horrible while they're getting mouth full of seawater and feeling like they're drowning all the time and it's freezing. Right, fucking hell. And then they would go, right, you're finished, right, now you have to crawl uh, on your, uh, crawl across the beach and your ass can't be sticking up in the air to <laughs> where we've put your bags and then you're finished. So they were crawling and they were going, you're fucking, it's too slow, <laughs> you lot, and they're shouting at him. And then, um, and he kept like, just not being, having enough energy and they were going, you're fucking, you know, you're not doing enough. Get your ass down, bell you. And then, so he got about two yards away from his bags and he was going, oh, I can't fucking do it. And he was, he started headbutting the sand. I'm going, I can't fucking do it. I can't just fucking, what's going fucking go on? And he was headbutting the sand and they're like, what is, what is his fucking problem? Oh my God. So they finished all that. And then on one of the, they did this other, other task. Oh. And um, he was, oh, part of it was the, they'd done like loads of stuff. And then at the end, they were like, they kept saying, um, right, you, number four, you're injured. And as soon as they'd say like, oh, number four is injured, that meant that the other people in the group had to carry him right, in some sure. way to get him back to this evacuation point. And um, so they would they were saying all the different people. And then they they went to he, he was like say he was number eleven they go right number eleven you're injured and he like he's he's I mean he's he's a heavyweight fucking champion he's fucking massive yeah, sure. he's very tall and he's he's just basically a, a big he's guy. a big lump of a bloke yeah yeah so these like they had two two um, two women in the team I mean anybody would struggle to carry him but they were like probably like half literally like half his size. Right. And they were really, really struggling. And they'd like, oh, I, can't, I just can't do it. And then they'd like, put him down and then pick him up. And they were going, you're falling behind. You're falling behind. Come on, pick him up, you shit. You <laughs> fucking shit. So they had to get to this evacuation point. And they had a certain amount of time. There was two Jeeps there. And as soon as, um, like, the you know, Jeep one was full, they'd go off. But if it got to a certain point and they hadn't got there, the Jeep would go off and just leave Right. It. And obviously, Tony Bellew's team—they were—they missed the jeep. It just drove off just as they were getting right. there. And he was um, so <laughs> <laughs> so. Ant Middleton, who was the leader of the SAS people, there, yeah, he was going, um, "You fucking let everybody behind because in a real life situation, that would mean that some other poor bastards would have to come and make another journey, dangerous journey, to pick you up." You f- you sh- fucking shit, all of you. <laughs> he was giving it loads, and um, he was like, Tony Bellew was like, it's it's my fault, it's my fault for being too fucking big for them." <laughs> and he was going, "It's not your fault." And he was going, "It fucking is." <laughs> he was going, "It's not your fault." And he was going, and then he was going, um, "You want?" <laughs> he squared up to the to Anne, and he was going, um, "You're you're a cunt." <laughs> He's going. You want to see a fucking cunt? <laughs> and he goes right up to him. Like, properly, like, it looked like, right, I'm ready to fucking start this right. now. Let's fucking go for it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and um, Aunt Middleton was like, uh, you know, like, don't even fucking think about oh, it. <laughs> so uh, it all sort of stopped. And then um, they, they, they went back to the base. 
and then they took him in for one of the uh, bag on the head interviews <laughs> and um, he was just saying like he's got a lot of mental problems <laughs> which he has um, he, he's a f- he's why a- the fuck did anyone let him be a boxer that guy sounds like he ought to just be blowing up balloons for children's no, parties. No, I think. No, I think it's that the, what he what he did was absolutely perfect for him because he he's obviously got a lot of frustrations, sure, mental frustrations, right, right. that he can't address or articulate. Okay, so you you can just see from him really obviously from the outside that all these frustrations about he can't deal with these things. He can't resolve them yeah, in yeah. A, another way, so they just come out in a physical way because he knows that he can physically resolve things. Uh-huh. I mean, the guy spent all his life resolving things physically. Yes, yes, he? yes. That's been his. That's been his job. If you do this, then the, this is a positive. Yeah. But he 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 hasn't got the the skills or the tools to to find a way of resolving his mental issues. Yeah. Do feel for him because it, it obviously it does burst over and frustrates him and and affects his life in a in a negative way. Yeah, yeah. And now he hasn't got boxing. It's like I don't really know what Oh, is he retired? Is he is he not He's retired. Yeah, yeah. Ah, right. Okay. He said he could still do it, but um his wife was just too worried about him getting injured. Brain damage. Which is understandable because yeah, they've yeah, got kids and stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. Um but I mean, putting all that aside, it's fucking entertaining to watch <laughs> when he go when he loses his shit. <laughs> There'll be no Brendan Cole for next week then. That's a shame. There's no Brendan Cole I, for I next week. Down to down to six next week. I mean, obviously I, I wonder whether Brendan Cole because the first three letters of Sachet are S A S, so I wonder. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't suppose he got to Sachet around any assault courses or No. No, um, and one of the things that they use, they use like a little montage clip at the start of every episode, and one of them is is him running back from one of the buildings in this like place that they're they're at, which is a really old like farmhouse, right. lots of cobblestones, and he runs around the corner and falls down, he falls down, <laughs> and then picks himself up and runs off, and every single week they use that at the start of the program. <laughs> And every single week we laugh at it. <laughs> you can't not laugh at it. <laughs> but it's, a, it's um, one of the things that Joey Essex had said. He said, "Oh, people get the wrong idea about me looking at me from the outside. They don't know me. Um, I've got uh, three three million Instagram followers and one and a half million Twitter." How could anyone know that from looking at him? He said, "I'm I'm re- I'm I'm a grafter and I'm really good at what I do." Oh yeah, what what well, do you do? I don't what know do you do? who he is. I know who he is. I mean, I know who he apart is. From, but, apart from yeah. just B, apart from just B, exist. Where is what, he from? What, what, what do you he, do? What is his claim to fame? Was he? Um, he was from. He got known from the only way is Essex. That and his name is Essex. Or has he just adopted that? And right, his name oh. is Essex. I don't. I don't know actually. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah, Hell of a coincidence. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that the lad, he's said that he's had a harsh upbringing sure. and all this kind of thing. Uh, his, his main beef seems to be that people think that he's stupid. But, I mean, he hasn't done anything <laughs> to disprove that so far. It comes across as yeah. just being a bit dense. No, I'm to him. He seems all right, but he's not, no. the, he's not a bright spark. So people saying, 
you're a bit thick. He's a bit thick. No, no fucking getting around it. <laughs> yeah, no one's running to him for a solution to the coronavirus. Yeah, no, he's he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> if if being a bit thick was as contagious as the coronavirus, I'd be wanting to wear a mask around him. <laughs> that is brilliant. I would want that on a t-shirt, but actually, my, I, I would love to get a t-shirt that said, what would Tony Bellew do? Oh, just loads of broken yeah. things on the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's been, it's been good. It's been Excellent. Good. good, that sounds great. What, uh, but you've, you've watched something that I have only watched three minutes of. Yes, I have. Um, Gangs of London on Sky. Two episodes of Gangs of London. Uh, Sky original. Real, realistically, two episodes minus the last ten minutes of episode two, where I got very sleepy, fell asleep, and had to ask my mate Louise uh, what happened in the yeah, last ten yeah. minutes. But no, yes, it's a, it's a, it's what's the word? Visceral, should we say? Yeah. Yeah, it's quite. I, I was, you know, I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting really. I, I've had a few people say, "Oh, it's really good, but it's quite violent." Uh, but it's called Gangs of London. So I was just expecting loads of people saying, oh, I'm a geezer, I'm a geezer, and all that kind of thing. But you, yeah. I mean, there are certain elements to any organised crime drama that you're going to get, aren't you? You, you yeah. know, you're always going to get... One of the characters is going to be either an informant or an undercover copper. And yeah. one of the other characters is probably, you know, working for the other side or being a double, you know, a double agent or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the characters is probably shagging another one's... You know, th- there's always those things in there because they're tropes and they work, so they use them. And they're done and, you know, they're all in there as well as far as I could tell. Uh, one of those three things hasn't occurred by the end of this second episode, but I don't suppose it's far off. Um, but it's very well filmed, uh, and the cast is largely uh, made up of people, with the exception of... Um, so the the, the, the programme starts, and the first episode is uh, largely dominated by the funeral of the... Uh, sort of, I don't know, the Don, I guess, uh, the Tony Soprano of this particular world, the the top guy, uh, and his sons are searching for answers, uh, wondering who, which of the other gangs of London uh, has ordered the hit on their father. What um, do the, um, <clears throat> what do the gangs, are they... Drug gangs, protection oh, racket. all of that. All of the above. Oh, right. It, it's like the United Nations of gangs. There's a, ah, there's a right. point There's a point in the uh, in the first where um, the... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I was saying about the casting. Largely unknown, except for the, the matriarch and the patriarch. Well, uh, the, the character who died, who you now only see in flashback. It was played by Colm Meany. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Senior in The Commitments, uh, and he was the engineer in Deep Space Nine, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, call me. He's, he's been in loads and loads and loads of stuff. Um, and then the, the mother is Michelle Fairley, who's probably best known as playing Kathleen Stark in Game of Thrones. Everybody oh, else... Right. Oh, David Bradley's in it for a bit, but everybody else is uh, kind of new to me anyway. She's very um, good, isn't she? She's great, yeah, really, really good. Um, thus far, uh, underused uh, in the first two episodes, 
but um, I'm sure she'll come into it. Yeah, yeah. But no, they, they have a meeting. They have a meeting, and there's you know there's there's the Chinese gang there, and then there's the there's the Albanians, and there's the Indian guys, and there's you know and and they're all kind of in neat in, in you know all sat around the table, all dressed obviously dressed in black out of respect for the the dead um, uh, the the dead you know boss of all bosses, uh, and and essentially trouble starts. Uh, this gives very little away because this happens within the first twenty minutes, half an hour, of the first episode, uh, when the uh, the son Alex, uh, who is you know seething, uh, says, uh, 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 "Sorry, I should say that Finn Wallace, Colm Meany's character who's died, uh, had a best mate, um, a black guy who's again whose character name escapes me, but he's said." The docks will stay open because he controls distribution. Basically, the docks will stay open, and all of your stuff, your dope will come in, your your guns and stuff, whatever you're bringing in, they'll all come in. Human trafficking, whatever, they'll all come in. Don't worry about it. Then Alex turns up at the meeting and he says, "No, everything stops. Everything stops until somebody tells me who killed my father." Uh, so already you know that tensions are starting to yeah. rise uh, within the uh, you know with the gangs. Um and um it's it's very well made. It's incredibly violent. And there is a sequence in episode one uh, where I learned that darts are uh, more than just uh, a pub game. You can use a dart to take out a room full of nasty people <laughs> as one character does. Yeah. Quite brutally as well. I mean it's it's uh it, it's 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 pretty horrible. Uh so yeah. So when you when you've said that to me, all I can imagine is um, like the scene in Kingsman where he takes out a pub basically with an umbrella. Yes, like that, but more aggressive and with more blood. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it is properly hardcore. What um, in in my favorite kind of gang films, uh, the thing that I like about them is the place that they set is almost like another character in the film. Yeah. You know, if it's set in a particular part of New York, sure. you really feel that it could only be there. And yeah. it, 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 that, that affects how they all interact because of the place that they're in. Sure. It, do they use, do they use London like that? Well, I mean, the, thus far in the first two episodes, it's spread right across. I mean, it starts, on a high-rise building that you learn that the Wallaces are building themselves. Uh, it goes to a uh, slum area uh, where some, I think that, that it's a traveller community, are uh, hanging around uh, Welsh Welsh guys, I think. Uh, so you see the caravans. There's a lot of uh, stuff happens in those sprawling flats, I'm assuming South London flats. Uh, and, um, yeah, it is... It, I think each of the areas is lit differently. It's a, yeah. it's cleaner lighting in the uh, in the Wallace family home, uh, but it's it's more grey. It has a grey tint, uh, so it's slightly dirty and slightly used when they go anywhere into the uh, the, the the more um, or sorry the less affluent areas. Yeah, yeah, but it's good. I, it, I've enjoyed it thus far. Does it feel um, does it feel believable? Like it, it, it could happen in that situation well, to an extent. You saw the opening image. 
So yeah. it's that basically. If you can, if you can go with that happening. However, I, I, mean, I, let, I, I don't really, you know, it's not a habit of mine to break the law or to have order people killed. Um, I say it's not a habit. Let's be honest. It's I used to do it a bit just for kicks. Uh, no, I've never done. But um, I, I worked with an actor many, many years ago whose dad was on the periphery of the Cray family, the Cray twins, you know, and the and Violet, the mother, and all that. And uh, yeah. Steve, this actor's name is. Uh, I don't know if he's still acting. Lovely fella. Um, his wife was cheating on him, uh, and uh, he told his dad. He said, "I think, I think." can't remember his wife's name. I'm going to I'm gonna call her Yvonne. And she wasn't called Yvonne. I think Yvonne's cheating on me. And he said, right, okay. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to tell uh, the boys? And uh, and he said, no, don't, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Anyway, uh, they did tell, he did tell uh, his brother. So, uh, so Steve's uncle was much closer to the central uh, group. And they said, well, look, Steve, listen, we're not going to kill him. Uh, and we won't hurt Yvonne. But I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll snap his legs for Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, whilst out Christmas shopping, taken from uh, a department store, dragged round into a uh, loading area, and they smashed his legs up so badly that he had to walk with a stick for the rest of his life. So, you know, so I know that these things can happen, and and that horrible violence does happen. Um, so, as as based on that, then yeah. But some of it is very stylized. Some of it is very. This would look good in a fight. How have we not seen a fight uh, on TV? Oh yeah. What about if we did this in a fight? So it feels a little bit like, yeah, those nasty people definitely exist. But uh, uh, I d- I don't know how realistic. Yeah. What they do to each other is. Anyway, that's uh, on Atlantic. Uh, it's available uh, on Sky or through the Now TV yeah. uh, app. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> on um, jumping channels, I was on oh, Amazon and I, w- I binge watched The Boys. Oh, yes. So The Boys is about... Um, <laughs> Is it set in out? You've you've seen it, haven't you? Is it set in have. A, it's set in a kind of current timeline, isn't it? It's like now. Yes, it's it's an it's an alternate version of of our uh, of of our world. Yeah. Where so there there are superheroes in kind of real life, yeah. and they do the normal kind of cliched crime fighting things of stopping people robbing banks, etc. Um, but they're privatized, so they're run by the vote company. Yeah. Um, and everything's happy and shiny, and everybody loves them, and they're all big TV personalities, very heavily big on the TV personalities and the social media. Um, but then there are a group of people who see past their kind of glossy image and are convinced that all that they're doing is for the common good. Uh, and they are our titular boys. Um, so it really kind of it takes the, <laughs> the the kind of more human side of 
the super well, it's, it's been done before the more human side of, of being a superhero in terms of these are still people who are, are the jealous they're envious yeah. they're devious Deeply flawed and fucked up yeah um and then on top of that they've also got these incredible powers which just means yeah. that their feelings are amplified yeah um and so the the series is essentially about these boys trying to um unmask these superheroes to show the people what they really are and not put all of our trust into them and their judgment it's very very well acted um, yeah the cast is brilliant because and it's very well handled because the whole superhero thing just could be incredibly naff um yeah. uh, but they they treat it so well that you believe in the you believe in the superhero kind of flawed nature yeah it's a brilliant it's a brilliant concept it comes from a graphic novel uh but it is a brilliant concept that because a lot of the superhero films um i mean prior to things like civil war batman versus superman uh never really dealt with the the human impact of people with superpowers smashing walls and knocking yeah. buildings down and stuff like that this is all about what if superheroes were privatized so that they were protected and effectively got to do what the fuck they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Garth, Garth Ennis, he wrote the um, original uh, graphic novels. No, it was a comic series, wasn't it? And then it I think became so, graphic yeah. novels. Um, and Garth Ennis um, basically doesn't like superheroes. So uh-huh. his heroes tend to be real people who are kind of anti-heroes throughout. And it's the same situation here, really. All the people that you're rooting for are flawed human people, um, but you still root for them more than the flawed superheroes because the superheroes just come up as a bunch of absolute megalomaniacal cunts, don't they? Disgusting, malignant narcissists, every one of them. Yeah. I mean, some of them sociopathic, one yeah. of them psychopathic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... it's, it, it's really really good and as as rich and i were talking about just before we started recording there is a moment at the i would say about five or ten minutes into the first episode which will yeah. pretty much tell you whether you're going to think this is an amazing show or yeah. maybe not for you uh yeah uh, do you want to talk about it yeah we should do because really it doesn't spoil anything and it kind of sums up the tone of the entire program so there's yeah um, you see this guy who's just a kind of ordinary tech guy. He's working in a kind of Maplin's like, radio like shack yeah, kind absolutely. of shop. Uh, he's just advising people on what cable they should get for their home entertainment system and all that kind of thing. And um, his girlfriend pops in to see him. Um, they're obviously get on. They're looking to move into their first flat. They have like lots of like banter and stuff like that. He's, they're obviously love each other. Um, and they go out onto the street um, just in front of his shop. And she's just about to leave. Um, and while they're holding hands, uh, just having a chat on the street, this sudden explosion seems to happen. Um, and his girlfriend is just basically vaporised into mince. And one of the superheroes is then just stood in the street, covered in her blood. Um, and he just says, oh... I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. I just can't. I can't hang on though. I've got to go. And he just zooms off. And he's like, 
He's like a fl- he's like the Flash. Yeah, and he's, he's been he's going called A Train, and he's yeah. super. Yeah, his super speed is his power. He's been going super fast. He's not seeing her because his mind's been preoccupied, and he's basically just blitzed her. And the guy who's left standing there on the pavement, he looks down, and he's still got the hands and wrists of his girlfriend. But that's all there is. There's nothing else attached to it. She's just a bloody, gristled mess on the road. That that really sets the tone for the rest of it. That's what they're like. Yeah. Incredible is, powers, yeah. flawed, uncaring, yeah. self-centered. Zero responsibility. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and 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 the um, the guy who was left with the uh, with his girlfriend's hands. Uh, is, is, I suppose, our eyes into the world. Yeah. Because we then follow him as he meets the boys and becomes one of the boys. Yeah. Uh, uh, because, obviously, he's lost his girlfriend. Um, there is no true goodness in the show. Oh, well, no, actually, that's not true. There's the there's the young... There's the new member of the superhero gang. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's, she's probably the, the, the closest you'll get in the series to a good character. Uh, I, I mean, and that in terms of her uh, her moral compass. I don't mean it in terms of a good character. They're all great characters, but um, yeah. Um, well, I suppose the other good character, the good in terms of morals, is the character played by Simon Pegg, who plays. Oh yes, of course, yes. The dad of the young lad who lost his girlfriend, and it does it does quite really handle well the the idea of being in a normal everyday situation being faced by somebody who has some kind of supreme unstoppable power to do things yes the, the fact that you can't reason with them you, it's entirely their will or and their way or not at all um yeah. they're all all the characters i think are based on the members of the justice league of America, right? Okay. So you do have like a Superman character. You have a Flash character. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, just Aquaman going, character. Yeah, Aquaman, and just going on to the 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 main character of these superheroes is a guy who is the kind of Superman character who's called Homelander, and he's like beautifully acted, beautifully yes. portrayed. Yeah. Uh, just the little subtle nuances in his performance yeah. really, really carry it because he'd quite easily become a very one-dimensional yeah, villain yeah, character. Yeah. But there are so, he's he, he's got so many little flaws yeah. in his character that just make him interesting yeah. and draw you into him. And and sw- it's. Strangely, as well, yeah, there's a, there's a there's a flip side to him as well because there's part of it when you learn about his backstory, you do actually think, oh god, yeah, yeah, you poor, fuck. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's brilliantly handled. And just reading up a little bit about it, the because um, I haven't read the original comics, it seems that um, in the comics, the boys who were um, fighting against these superheroes. They they use some artificial means to give themselves a physical balance to the oh, superheroes, did they? which isn't in this. They keep it very real, so the guys have to use their brains and their yeah. trickery and trap people and yeah. use ingenuity and weapons that they just carry around them like normal people, yeah. which they didn't in the in the comics. 
which I'm glad that they did because that that is another thing that makes you you kind of get involved in in their kind of plight where they're stood with somebody who can make themselves invisible or yes indeed and all that kind of stuff it's like what the hell am I supposed to do about this when all I've got is a gun yeah it's it's great it is absolutely great I was like hooked like we both were from that from that opening opening 10 minutes <laughs> I was hooked all the way through I really do think all oh, right I'm in here and I should I should give a, a mention to the soundtrack the music is fucking brilliant oh it is well. isn't it yes yeah, oh my god they picked some absolutely great tracks all the way through it yes they did that is true and it just completely adds to it yeah yeah 100% recommend. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's a podcast recommend yeah, for the boys. Definitely. Amazon Prime, the Looking boys. Looking forward to season two. Yes, it yes. is. Uh, so, what have I got left? You've you've, you've been... Um, you were trying to catch up on Ozark. I was. Uh, so, I loved the first two series of Ozark. And um, Fee and I sat down and watched the first episode of season three. But uh, And Fee was sort of with it. I... I just don't remember very much at all about the second series because it was on a while ago, and I've you know been busy and watched other things. I mean, I've, I I knew who people were, uh, and I I was, um, but I, I felt like I was going to do the series justice if I couldn't immediately elide from season two into season three. Fee suggested, well, why don't we just watch the last episode of season two and that might help. But I thought, no, I don't need to do that. Because nowadays, people will make recap videos on YouTube and I will be able to watch a quality recap video. Right, so th- this concept is completely alien to me. I didn't know I didn't know this existed <laughs> at yeah, all. Well, they, I mean, essentially, if they can make it, they'll put it online. So uh, I guess people, opportunists or, or, or maybe savvy entrepreneurs have latched onto the idea that some people don't want to rewatch episodes or have poor memories or possibly even both uh, and have decided to talk people, uh, accompanied by still images of the series, talk people through uh, shows. So I decided to watch a, a season one recap, which I didn't really need because season one uh, absolutely hooked me in. So and, and it was fairly linear. And, and then a season two recap, which obviously exploded the story outwards and there were a lot more plot strands in the second series. More complex, but, but more rewarding, I guess. So the first one I watched, I watched a couple. Uh, I watched the official Netflix one, which is a series of scenes. It was very good. Uh, and then I watched um, a chap from season one, uh, who I, I think he must be from the Indian subcontinent, uh, and his was brilliant. I really liked his. It was quite matter of fact, uh, uh, and uh, and his delivery was quite quick, but I really liked it. I, it gave me everything I needed. It was a, a quick five minutes, uh, perfect. I can't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll find it and stick it on at the end. Um, and then for season two, I chose oh, what was it called? The binge. I can't remember. Was it binge watch? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, uh, imagine if you will, uh, uh, somebody <laughs> from, uh, let's say the the the, the central uh, Midwest Belt states of America, perhaps not been at school very often, maybe had glandular fever, as I said to you earlier, glandular fever, or or, or perhaps used to get headaches or something. Didn't do a lot of time at school. <laughs> perhaps didn't learn how to read, or or was was struggled with reading out loud. And has reached the level of reading out loud that you have when you're in the infants 
and you're asked to go up to the teacher's desk and read to the teacher a bit. And you're reading uh, from uh, from a, a simple book and you read and your voice never changes in its pitch alternation, but when you get to the end of a line, you stop because you think that that's probably where you should stop. You don't worry about sentences because the whole point of reading is just to practice reading and then you don't get any kind of it's that kind of thing so so basically i thought oh yeah i'm gonna give this a go it's, a, it's ten and a half minutes worth this will go really in depth this will be brilliant this will be perfect exactly what i need i need to know about the characters i need to know about their motivations we first joined marty bird when he meets at a party with Be- wendy they have just called us a deal and they're talking about where to go with the money when they leave and they get out on holiday. Then later on in the episode, Rachel talks to Ruth about... It's like that. It's it's, a, it's like a, an American I speak your weight machine uh, recapping Ozark season two. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start listening and watching some uh, recap uh, videos because I think they're awesome. Uh, yeah. So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... At this point, I'm going to drop in a clip of um, the original one that you watched. And it's the binge ah, zone. I've just had go. a quick look at it. Uh, I'm going to drop in a little clip of the binge zone now. Jacob kills Ash as payment for Darlene killing Del Rio. Wendy and Charles move forward with the business plan. Marty runs into a trust problem with the Snells and the Mexicans. Darlene goes to an agency in hopes of adopting a child. Wendy feels guilty about the repercussions that her actions have caused Mason in his life. Ruth buys the tugboat for Marty. Marty and Buddy go visit Frank. Yeah, she's really giving it her all, isn't she? She is. She's absolutely committed to that. <laughs> Until she's really she's, invested in the job and the series. She is. She's completely invested. Yeah, she's 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 understood it. Uh, she's with it. All the nuances. She's fab. It's it's like watching the actual series, isn't it? It is. It really is. It really is. If the original <clears> series was ten minutes long, and narrated <laughs> by a fucking machine. Uh, the, but like I say, the Indian one that was really good. I'll have to get the name of that one. He was yeah. he was really good, and he was quite, you know. Uh, but no, that one not not so much for me, not so much. Um, but I'm ready now. I am. I have to say though, I have watched a couple. I am ready now uh, for Ozark season three. So um, uh, fingers crossed, it uh, lives up to the other two series. Right. Well, I think that's all of our viewing, isn't it? Well, I was going to talk a bit about the Eurovision, but. It was a. The, oh God, yes, no. You do need to tell me about the Eurovision. Well, I love the Eurovision. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a it's one of those. I'm not even going to say it's a guilty pleasure of mine because I don't even feel guilty about it. We used to watch it when I was a kid and my sister was a kid. We used to watch it with mum and dad, and my mum used to make little notes. She get she had pads of paper and yeah, you know, yeah. So you know, uh, the Netherlands would come on and she'd write, uh, yeah. "Larger woman, blue dress, flowers, singing drippy ballad." And so that when the voting came in, because in the older yeah. days, they'd do all the votes. They wouldn't just go, here yeah. are the votes, and now the 12 points goes to Poland and moving on. They would do, yeah. you know, Poland one point, United Kingdom two points, and they'd go right through. And my mum would just go, right, hold on, hold on, who's got the 10 points there? Oh, it's the, the drippy lass from Holland in the awful dress. So it was a... Yeah. So, you know, I, start, I used to do that as well. Uh, and now I just text mates on my phone, so the notes are kind of part of that. And and then um, it was um, because of the virus. Obviously, it was postponed, and uh, it's a shame for a lot of the acts. Um, and the show really 
for me anyway, they ought to have just played all all the songs. Uh, so, you know, we at home would have had a chance to uh, listen to the songs uh, in their entirety and make our own decisions. Instead of that, we had 30 seconds of each song. So it was like the ADHD right. Eurovision. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you just start getting into a groove and then suddenly, oh, no, woof, here's another one. Uh, and then every fifth or sixth song, the uh, the trio of, or it might have been quartet, of Dutch um, presenters would take right. us to people's houses to show what what uh, you know what they were doing or they'd, they'd do a song they'd sing one of their their songs in a different style uh, and at the end sorry this the, the the best bit was and it's worth again i'll seek it out and i'll send it to you rich because so the the, the 30 seconds of of a like let's say malta's song and then the the singer the maltese singer would then say through this tragedy that we are living, there is clarity and and goodness, right? Or whatever. And they'd come out with some platitude that was all a bit yeah. gaff. You know, yeah. What are you gonna do? But one guy, and again, I want I want to say, uh, oh god, possibly it's not Lithuania, uh, not Albania. It's one be one of the Balkan states. Clearly not com- good singer, good singing voice. Clearly not comfortable doing this kind of thing and he honestly talks like do you ever used to see footage of uh, Libyan hostages <laughs> yeah, yeah and the camera's not quite right because it's you know it's obviously the 80s and yeah we are fine yeah. we are all fine <laughs> they are treating us well they are treating us well he comes on he's this bearded guy and he says music is important we all must listen to music <laughs> It is life. It is proof of life, or something like that. It's, honestly, I'm holding up today's newspaper. Yeah, I, I could, I could hear the AK-47 cocking behind the camera. It was just quite bizarre, really quite bizarre. And then there was a, there was another bloke. I wrote the quote down. Oh, I'm not going to be able to have time to find it. I'll just, I'll, I'll guess it. Uh, but it was something like one of them said. Oh, hold on, I'll, I'll look for it. Well, look. just while you're looking for that. Go on. So they what? So they played little. What well, did they have it as a competition? Was there a winner? No, 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 no. They just they just gave them the uh, opportunity to, to hear the songs. So yeah, so the, so the whole voting thing wasn't there, and and every so often they had a little bit of an interview with. Um, but the uh, voting's like half the program, isn't it? That's half oh, yeah, of the enjoyment it's half of the it. Program. Yeah, of course. But Bjorn Olveus came on from ABBA. Uh, and uh, he, he spoke beautifully and he was, what he said was really nice. So here we go. One of them said, music is not in the notes. It's in the silence between. No. Uh, no. It's not, is it? Not, not sure. It definitely isn't. That. It definitely I mean, isn't. May, yeah, maybe if you're Beethoven. Because <laughs> if we released a podcast of just the bits that were in between the talking... <laughs> yeah, that's not music, is it? No, that's not sound. That no. is the absence of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music is not in the notes; it's the silence between. <laughs> but again, that's that was one of his particular things. Music is not in the notes; it's the silence between. I think he's the guy who ends this his uh, comment with, "Ah, music." <laughs> A bit like "Ah, Bisto." <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah, oh, shocking! So it, was, 
It was shocking. And the 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 other thing is, at the end, they all sang, all 41 uh, uh, entrants, all sang um, Love Shine a Light, Katrina and the Waves song from what? 1997. Yeah, they all, <laughs> because they decided to call the show Eurovision Shine a Light. Uh, and there was footage of them singing it and, and, and buildings in their countries lighting up. And it was a concept. I don't know. Some Dutch guy's gone. Hey, what we should do? Yeah, yeah. Is it? Do you want to? Do you want to take this? Okay. So what we should do is have lights and then talk to people. And uh, yes, we should all sing "Love Shine the Light." Why it was a terrible song? No, it's great. It's great. Uh, yeah. So fucking ridiculous. So they all sang "Love Shine the Light." But what was interesting was when they all sang somebody else's song. You could really tell that they all, they were, you know, you might not like the style of music, you might not like the Eurovision, you might not like Europop or or the Slowbirds or whatever, but um, they all have really really good voices, and it was it was a it was a good thing to see that because you you know sometimes you just sit there and yeah. you go shit this is shit the shit the shit them how are they you know was that the best their country could get actually they're really good and it so it was quite nice that and I you yeah, know yeah. whether or not you liked all the songs for me if I'd have been the jury like all of Europe, I would have uh, had Russia third with their song Uno. Very cool, very silly. Uh, Then a bit of a gap to, in second place, runner-up Lithuania. uh, And the uh, Lithuania song, I think, might have been called Fire. I don't think it was. I'll have to look that up. Anyway, the Lithuanian song, which I really, really liked, had a good synth. And above Lithuania, probably by uh, uh, or 30 points, would be the mighty Iceland with their song, Think About Things. <laughs> now, you might not you might not be into Eurovision. You might not. And uh, it, it doesn't matter whether you do or you don't. If you like uh, well-crafted three-minute pop songs, it's a belter. And it's got a really funny video as well. Think about things. I can't remember the name of the guy. It's the the. It was, I think he's called Dodie. Ugh, no, can't remember. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. What I'll do it now uh, is I'll, at this point, I'll drop in a clip of Think About Things. Perfect. When we first met, I will never forget. Cause even though I didn't know you yet, we were bound together then and forever, and I could never. So there it is, uh, fantastic, Beautiful. really cool, and that's that. I think I think it was the favourite actually, uh, but uh, yeah, very good. There was one that uh, Ivy liked uh, called Cleopatra, and this one was saying Cleopatra was a woman like me, and she's basically wearing SM gear. And I thought, maybe, <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Um, wandering around in a desert with some very high PVC boots and very little else on, and there's a there's a there's a moment in it where it, it, fabulous, classic, you know, brilliant. Only at Eurovision, you know, she's singing away and she's saying Cleopatra was this and la la la, and she sounded like this. Omnia di omnia di omnia, and then it goes back to the chorus. It's very weird. <laughs> Sounds like this. 
And the song, you know, when she sang Cleopatra, she went Cleopatra with a big rolling R. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very bonny, very bonny lass. Uh, but, uh, you know, so if you're into SNM and, and you like songs about <laughs> Egyptian historical figures, I think that'll be, you'll be all over it. It's quite a niche market, it's isn't it? Very niche market, very niche market. Yeah, so uh, and there was a couple of angry ones. Georgia. Georgia was very angry. He's a bloke sitting in the back of a car singing, you want me to look like an Englishman? You want me to wear dressed like an Italian? You want me to look like a Spaniard? You want me to do this? What's wrong with me? Why don't you love me? It was really aggressive. <laughs> oh, my God. And I said, is this the recruitment song for the Georgian National Party? <laughs> it was... And then there was the Ukraine one. Which was like Eurovision beats sort of weird punk at the fall. I don't know. She wasn't really singing. It was kind of like she was a female John Lydon. Imagine John Lydon in a in a a, a, a huge red shoulder padded PVC number uh, with a shaved head uh, who, who's helium and was saying something quite aggressive in a foreign language. <laughs> it was it was uh, that was that was. I'm sorry. That's that is terribly racist. I do apologise. But uh, yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> it was not <laughs> not um, not the greatest. I would have put it in the finals, but uh, you know. So that anyway, yes, yeah. Eurovision. It was a, it was a real shame. Oh, that is yeah. a shame. It, well, it's more of a shame than of um, any kind of voting because that's really the only reason to yeah. watch it. Well, I don't know about that. I quite like. I love it. Like I say, no. You want to from from me. I, I, because I, I, I don't particularly watch it, but um, if I did, I just want to see all the wacky weirdness and then the voting where um, it all gets a bit political. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, Terry Wogan, or Tony Womble, according to me, Dad, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Tony Womble used to drink a bottle of Baileys, like one of the big bottles of Baileys throughout the show, and by the end, yeah. he was pissed yeah. and really bitter about everything. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> Here goes the votes. I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen here with Cyprus. 12 points for... Oh, it's Greece. Is it Greece? There you go. Greece there now. Terry Wogan didn't sound a fucking bit like that, by the way. Uh, but... <laughs> I'm shit with impressions. Really shit. Terry Wogan. Something like a bad um, Irish farmer there now. Speaking of singers, though, I watched um, Charlie Brooker's um, not. It's not Screen Wipe, whatever it is. Sure, you know his program that he has on BBC every now and again. Anyway, he's done one about the essentially based on the coronavirus, and he um, made pretty much exactly the same observations that you did about that um, big oh, night, you know, whatever it was called. The oh, sing, God. you know, with the other all the singers. Oh my god, man, they showed the clip of Elton I'm John. Till Dandy. Scene. I'm Till Dandy. <laughs> Who the hell is Till Dandy? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh. He doesn't even make an effort to say the S's, I'm does he? Dandy. I'm Till Dandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the worst Awful. thing about that for me was he introduced it so beautifully. What he said was wonderful, you know, about the key workers and all that. Yeah, well, they didn't show that bit. And then. 
you know, he starts banging away the intro to I'm Still Standing. You think, oh, one of his upbeat numbers. You can never know about yeah. it. Nah. Honestly, <laughs> fuck, you know, it's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It really was quite bad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was truly... I'm glad you've seen it now. Oh, uh, it's, it's worse than how you described it. it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you remember my skin crawl? I felt embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's nothing to do with me, and I still felt embarrassed. You wonder whether or not he just... After it finished, when the, you know... I mean, he'd had all day to film that. Whether that was like the... You know, I'll get this in one. Or... He'd done 28 takes and went, I can't do it anymore. My voice is shot. We're just going to have to, this will have to do. But why, why? It's not like he was missing out a high note. He just missed out S's yeah, he missed all the way S's. through it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Very strange. Yeah, it was a very, it very was a peculiar strange. thing. And Tom Jones, who looked utterly terrified. Oh, well, I've not seen Tom Jones yet. Oh, God. Now, what? I do what? still need to take out Tom. Take, <laughs> Looking Tom. worried. <laughs> take him out Tom don't just say Tom because I'll start thinking about my dad in that film with King Char- <laughs> Prince Charles fucking hell yeah now I'll tell you what the Elton John thing reminded me of and I, I think we've talked about this before if, if you've ever seen the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus did you ever see that yeah yeah so I mean, it wasn't released for years yeah. uh, because the Who were so good on it that the Rolling Stones probably in a in an acid fueled paranoid haze went Oh, they're better than us. We're not going to release it. So went the rumour anyway. Um, But it was released uh, in the mid-90s. And um, as well as uh, the Rolling Stones and the Who, Jethro Tull are on there. uh, And I think uh, there's another another band, folky band, can't remember. And then uh, there's this uh, super group. They call themselves the Dirty Mac. And it's John Lennon, and it's Eric Clapton, and George Harrison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Yoko comes and does a bit. Oh, yeah. Now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So you know this. So they've they've laid down this brilliant blues riff. Uh, And Clapton's, (laughs) Clapton's giving it some... And there's, uh, you know, Keith written along, uh, and and jo- and George Harrison's there, and I think he's he does he joining. There's, there's the, you know, they're going at it, and then now some people like Yoko Ono, and some people don't, and some people don't get her, and I probably just don't get her. But it just gets to a point in this blues jam where you want somebody to just suddenly go, you know, sing something bluesy, but she goes. <laughs> She sounds like the human version of a ZX Spectrum loading a fucking game. And it goes on for a full 30 seconds. And then she stops, presumably because the game is yeah. loaded, and steps away from the phone. And it, <laughs> and then there's a smile on her face and she gives a little nod like, yep, that's exactly how I wanted that to go. That is perfect. Yeah. And the camera pans yeah. past John Lennon, who's looking, you know, smiling at his the love of his life, and you know that yeah, brilliant. Well done. That's my wife, everybody. And it catches just for a moment. <laughs> it catches Keith Richards looking at Bill Wyman in the Stones, looking at him, going, "Oh, fucking hell." <laughs> the look is just like, "Wow, that was okay, that's on then." Yeah. I was just about to say, I was going to say, um, he's probably thinking, you know, like, God, if the Beatles had carried yeah, on, possibly. that's what they would have become. 
and I was gonna I was gonna use the phrase the dodged a bullet, but that's <laughs> not that's no. not, not really nice. Not, not in, not in John's case, no. But um, she he obviously was so enamoured with that because yeah, even the the Christmas song that John Lennon wrote that uh, Merry Christmas War is over. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're all and it. I mean, whatever you think of him, I, I think I did like his singing voice. I thought he was a bit of a fucking dick, but I did like his singing yeah. voice. But when he's singing like, um, you know, uh, 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 you know, Christmas and what have we yeah, done? So Another year of her. <laughs> you won't just begun. Then she comes in and goes, And a very Merry Christmas! And I'm happy you're here! And he, he's thought, Yeah, she's she's fucking nailed it. <laughs> she's fucking nailed it. And there, uh, probably everybody in the recording booth was like, Yeah, engineers going, Are we not? Are we not doing could do another take of that? Please no. Tell him. No. Tell him. Yeah. Yoko, that was perfect. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Yoko. No, you can leave. That's fine. Yeah, you're That's all fine. done. You're all done. All done. Yeah. Fucking one take, Yoko. Absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. But maybe that was it. The, the entourage gave her this permission to kind of go, ah, because they went, fuck, we can't have another take of that. Perfect, Yoko. Fantastic. And John Lennon yeah. went, they see what I see. They must see what yeah. I see. Yeah. They're probably thinking she's not. She's definitely not going to get any better than this, so there's no way that we can we can we can auto tune her or anything like that to make it sound decent because the technology's not here yet. Could you imagine uh, George Martin saying uh, a few notes, darling? Um, Yoko, could you could you try using words? Any any chance you could use words? Uh, uh, in, in uh, the, the lyrics that are written down there. Uh, so if we could just, um, <laughs> what I'll do is, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you the key again, the root key. So <laughs> the root chord. So you, 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 you can go in from there. So I'm just gonna. Uh, 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 we get yeah, it's there. It's that one. Uh, uh, and so we're gonna just count you in there, Yoko. Very Merry Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's fine. We'll just use that one. It's fine. She's great, isn't she, George? She's lovely. It's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Hey, do you think she could do some singing around your house at Christmas like we used to do? No. No. Why not? Um, probably because I don't live there anymore and I don't want to give you my address. <laughs> I've just moved today, actually. <laughs> the house has been on the market since I heard that. <laughs> and actually, I'm not doing this job anymore. Yes. That was the last George Martin recording. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Yoko, he's finished on a high. He obviously knows that he can't get any better than that. He's reached the peak. <laughs> Hey, Yoko, do you fancy... I'm going to ask Paul whether you can join the Beatles and you can do the vocals on Hey Dude. You know the chorus bit at the end? You can do that. So you get all the build-up and then you go... What do you mean you don't want to be in a band anymore? We're splitting up! 
Oh God, she's a jam. <laughs> anyway, we yes, should end it on that note. On which note? <laughs> on that Can awful off note. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you want to tell us about any great things that you've seen during the week, or things that we should watch, or really awful vocal performances, <laughs> or terrible recap videos, um, you can send them through to us at weakpointspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow our Instagram, weakpointspodcast, and see pictures of what we've been up to. There's a picture of me being ill in bed on our latest feed so that's nice um uh so thank you very much again thank you for listening and we'll see you soon goodbye bye 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 bye